Hello and welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing professional females looking for practical ways to optimize all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritize your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritize your health, learn to fuel your body, found time for exercise, and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviors for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Hello, I'm going to start today with a massive thank you and an apology. Today's episode is focused on anxiety and believe me when I say there has never been a more anxiety inducing podcast to record. If Hazel is listening to this, she's going to laugh. It took us three attempts to record and after all that, technology has failed us and we're missing the final five minutes of the entire episode. I know Hazel will see the funny side, but I do want to thank her for her patience and apologies to you, the listener, but I didn't want to not bring you this amazing recording as there's some golden nuggets in here on a subject that is huge and I know affects so many people. So we come to an abrupt halt near the end of the recording, but I'll fill in the blanks with Hazel's contact details should you wish to find out more about her and the work that she does. As ever, if you love what we do at Health Acts and you have just two minutes of your day, it would mean the world if you could support the show by either subscribing to us on your podcast platform of choice, probably Apple or Spotify, or share us to someone in your inner circle, your nearest and dearest. Maybe someone you know has told you recently that they're feeling a little bit anxious that they're not entirely sure how to deal with it that's taking over, this might be the perfect episode to send to them. So whether it is uh, your partner, whether it's a friend, family member, colleague, uh, maybe someone you are mentoring, someone you're working with at the moment, someone in a networking event, send them this episode of the podcast or any episode of Health Hacks if you think that they might find our platform useful too. If you also love the podcast and you're interested in working with us, you can do so at absolutely no cost. Yep, absolutely free for 30 days as the Lifestyle Project trial is still running and we'd love to welcome you to the team. We're just about to throw ourselves into Q4 and if you'd like to make changes to your health and well-being before the end of the year, the Lifestyle Project is here to support you in doing so. What's holding you back at the moment? Is it sleep, stress, time management, energy? Is it fueling your body correctly? Is it snacking too much? Is it consistently exercising? Do you just need a push and somewhere to start? We are here to help. If you'd like to find out more, there's a short episode specifically on the Lifestyle Project. I think it's it's a couple of episodes ago if you just scroll down. And of course, there's more information on our website. The link to the application is in the show notes. It's a really short series of questions. It's just going to ask you a little bit about your lifestyle and what you're doing at the moment and where you want to go. And what happens is you fill in the short application. It comes through to us. We'll get back in touch with you. We'll allocate you a coach and we'll get you going on the day. That is the mission. If you want to start, we're here to facilitate it. So if you want to kickstart your health and well-being, we still have one quarter left and we can make amazing changes in that time. So get in touch. The Lifestyle Project is for you. And as I say, it is completely free for 30 days. Completely free. Last but not least, this is very exciting, but the podcast comes to you this week in partnership with Natural Cycles. 
If you've been listening to our show for a while and any of the podcasts dedicated specifically to female health, so menstrual cycles, the female athlete, perimenopause, you will have heard every single one of our experts discuss the importance of being in tune with your own body. And natural cycles allows you to do just that, empowering you to understand your body better, making informed decisions and taking control of your fertility naturally. Natural Cycles uses your daily basal body temperature and other key data points to pinpoint your fertile and non-fertile days with remarkable accuracy. It is 100% hormone-free, the only FDA-cleared birth control app, and now, very excitingly, links directly with Apple devices. So it did link with Aura seamlessly, and it now links directly with Apple. So if you have an Apple Watch, this might be the time to think about Natural Cycles. I started using Natural Cycles back in January of this year after a decade of oral contraception use, and it's given me such an incredible insight into my own body. I use it every single day and I've been so impressed with the ease of the use and the accuracy of the algorithm. It knows me inside out by this point. So whether you're using natural cycles as birth control, to plan pregnancy, to get to know your body better or to note changes through perimenopause, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. I love it. If you'd like 20% off natural cycles and a free thermometer, use the link in the show notes to take you to natural cycles. And there is a link there that's gonna get you 20% off and a free thermometer. And if you do sign up to natural cycles, let me know. I'd love to know. And I'd love to know what your experience is when, uh, when you get going with it. I absolutely love it as a tool and will continue to use it going forward. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Hazel Jones. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today I am joined by Hazel Jones. Hazel is a certified life coach, NLP master practitioner and cognitive hypnotherapist. She changes clients' lives by helping them to navigate barriers surrounding anxiety and confidence, divorce and breakup recovery, as well as phobias. Today, we're going to be examining anxiety and confidence in much greater detail. And I'll start by welcoming Hazel to today's episode. Hazel, how did you arrive at the work that you do with your clients? Tell us more about your background. Bit of a long journey, really. I've always worked with people. Um, I had, I've had about five careers, actually. Um, as well as selling hot dogs in Sydney for a little while when I was travelling. <laughs> you know, probably the best paid job I ever had. But anyway, um, I've always worked with people, been very interested in people. But what really brought me to therapy was a good many years ago now, it must be going back a good 15, 18 years ago, I was doing a very stressful job in a very unhappy relationship with somebody who had very strong narcissistic traits but I didn't know much about narcissism then and I just got to the point where I just had a complete break really and mental break and ended up in therapy and thought wow this is just incredible it was absolutely life-changing and I've always been really really grateful for that period of my life even though at the time it was really dark and very very hard the hardest thing I've ever done but it taught me so much and made me the person I am now and then as a result of that, I got really interested in the therapies and coaching. I did my coaching diploma and practiced for a little while and then positive psychology. And then I was attracted to hypnotherapy and NLP. And so I went on to study those. So, yeah, and I just love it. I love working with people. I love finding out what makes people tick and seeing the changes. Like when somebody comes to you and they really can't see a way out or they can't see a way of changing and then you know, they do They do the work. I don't do the work. All I do is give them the tools. You know, they do all that the heavy lifting. Um, but when you see that they get tools and skills and resources that they didn't know they could have, um, and they, they have absolutely incredible changes in their lives, and that's just amazing. Incredible. Lisa, can I ask you a personal question? Did you have any preconceptions about therapy before you started it yourself oh my goodness absolutely I clearly remember um I had to see a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist said I'm going to suggest you go into group therapy and I came home and I had coffee with a friend and I said I'm not going into group it was at the Priory in London as well and I said I am not sitting there with a load of Amy Winehouses and other entitled people and you know there's nothing wrong with me all I need is some pills and I'll be all right well it was nothing like that. They were just ordinary people like me struggling. 
and it was I did have loads of preconceptions but absolutely turned those on 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 its head yeah Um, and your experience um and when you moved into practice was this pre or post covid oh well into pre-covid yeah pre-covid um I, the only reason I mention it is that I, I feel more and more and I meet women, you know, all the time and we're talking about their backgrounds and their history and, and therapy has been something that has come up more and more in the conversations that I am having on mm. a daily, on a weekly basis. Do you feel that it's more part of the furniture now to, to go to therapy and to have that experience? I think it is. And I think it's very healthy. I mean, I, Back in the day, um, you know, when I was a young woman, I I would never have thought about going to a therapist. It wouldn't have been in my vocabulary even. And I wouldn't have known how to access a therapist anyway. Um, Whereas now, I think people are more ready to get help, which I think is so good. Why do you struggle on alone? Why bother? You know, life's too short, isn't it? When, Mm -hmm. you know, for the sake of about, you know, six, 12 hours of therapy you can change things you can turn things completely around so why bother you know I wish I I'm particularly interested in anxiety and toxic relationships because I've had a toxic relationship with myself and with my ex-spouse um so I work a lot around that um because when I look back I realize I was an anxious anxious child you know I had anxiety all of my life but nobody named it we didn't talk about anxiety then it was Mm -hmm. it was not something it was you know I just thought I was a little bit weird for feeling like this and I didn't realise other people did either. We'll talk about anxiety in just a second if you don't mind. Mm. I want to ask another question. This is an interest of of mine. When it comes to finding the right therapist, is it a bit like dating? You have to find the right fit or is, you know, is, can, is there the perfect therapist for you is the better question I should be asking. I think... Yes, I think it is a bit like dating. And on my website, I have actually got some guidelines for people. You know, if you are thinking of working with a therapist, consider these questions. I think first and foremost, you have to feel like you can trust them because you're going to bear your soul to this person. If you're going to get anywhere, you have to be open and honest and go to some pretty dark places and sometimes some very shameful places. So you have to be able to trust that person. Um And I think you have to have some rapport with them. And I think you know if you're going to have rapport with somebody quite quickly. I think, you know, I do a a discovery call, which is anything from half an hour to an hour. And I can tell if I'm going to be able to work with that person because it works both ways. You know, it's not only that the therapist has to be right for the client, the client has to be right for the therapist as well. And there are some people that, you know, I have said, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, I, I won't work with you, but I know somebody who will. It may be that their issue is not something I have experience of or particularly like to work on or have the skills to work on. Um, Or it may just be that I don't feel they're ready. You know, so, yeah, so I think there is there is such a thing as the perfect therapist. It has to be somebody you feel you can work with. How do you know you're ready? Well, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because very often when I work with people, um, the subconscious will put up such a fight against change often. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't like change. It's been, it thinks it's been doing a great job because you're still alive. So it's, it's been doing a fantastic job, hasn't it? You know, never mind that you're not happy. Never mind that you're failing in work. Never mind that your relationships are rubbish. You're still alive, aren't you? And that's all that matters to the subconscious. It's only thinking six seconds ahead. So it doesn't care about how you feel, you know. Um, so having some resistance to having therapy or making changes can be very healthy because we can use that resistance. You know, stubbornness is often seen as a, a negative trait. No, it isn't. You can use it. Yeah, but you can use stubbornness. Stubborn people get things done. <laughs> and for anyone listening to this on the audible version, I'm putting my hand up, self-confessed. I like to call it grit, but it is just pure stubbornness. Um, so there is... I've always wondered about that and whether it's, I'll be completely honest, and I've spoken about this in the podcast before, I've had two different therapists and two very, very different experiences, but I've been in two very different places of life. So when you've been at the bottom and felt like I just need to have an outlet here, but also from during a time where there wasn't anything notably quote unquote wrong, 
Mm. But I still found the experience incredibly valuable. Hence the question. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. I always like to hear that somebody's had a positive experience. Um, you know, it isn't always the case. I know that, you know, I have, I have people come to me when they've worked with other people and um, they've not had a great experience. And that's very sad. Uh, and that can be for various reasons. Um, but yeah, I think I think choose a therapist. I would say choose the therapist carefully. Always have a conversation with them, first of all. Um, I don't know any of my fellow therapists that wouldn't do um, a complimentary discovery call or a low-cost discovery call when you have a good chat to them, find out how they work, what they do, what's expected of you as uh, a client. You know, can you do the homework? Will you do the homework? Um, what kind of techniques do they use? You know, so I think it's very important to have that conversation. And also, you know, do you like that person really? Yeah, and yeah. I think you can tell by somebody's energy, can't you, when you're talking to them, whether you're yeah. going to get them or not. Absolutely. Hazel, your voice is very soothing. I feel like I would I would enjoy talking to you just from <laughs> a calming point of view. Um, but we are here to talk today about anxiety specifically because it is one of your areas of interest. And I'll ask the question particularly in our post-COVID world, why are we all so anxious, do you feel? Well, I think the question is, why are we not more anxious, really, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the world, seriously, you look at the world and, you know, we've got an environmental crisis, we've got a cost of living crisis, you know, our climate's all over the place and, you know, we're under increasing pressures and, you know, so really the, the the whole world is conspiring to make us anxious. You look at social media, you look at advertising, you know, we're all, I think, led to believe that we should be living this very perfect world when we're all terribly happy and and gorgeous and, and life is fantastic. Um, and then if we fall even slightly short of that, then, you know, we've failed and then, you know, causes a lot of anxiety. I think women in particular, not only women, a lot of men are under a lot of pressure as well. But I think women tend to have more multiple roles than men, even now. Um, I know that's not the case in every relationship, but I think in a lot of relationships, there is still that difference. You know, women do tend to take on, you know, even simple things like buying the Christmas gifts, buying the birthday gifts, remembering those kinds of things, you know. Um, and it's it's all pressure, isn't it? And then you know, as well as that, you know, you're expected to have this fantastic career and to fly high and, you know, function in a man's in a man's world as a woman and then you, you have your home and your relationships to maintain and your friends and so I think it all um you know con you know conspires really to, to cause that anxiety. And you watch the news, don't watch the news. <laughs> We'll talk about uh, social media, actually, something I would like to ask your opinion on. Heart, maybe a more difficult question, I think, to get our, or to ask is, is it society's problem that we are so anxious or do you think it's our own fault that we are so anxious? Are we taking control of that enough ourselves? Ah, no, that's a really good question. I think we are led into being more anxious and uh, it's a little bit of conspiracy theorist here but I believe it's true when you look at advertising and um, when you look at the news um, you know we 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 are led to operate from a place of lack rather than having enough you know we always in the advertising you know be more beautiful look younger be slimmer buy a better car, buy a bigger house, decorate your living room, you know, and so all of these pressures are put on us. And, you know, I think we're, we're given very high standards to live up to now. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a little village on top of the mountain in Wales, and everybody had the same. So there wasn't that pressure. It was only when I went out in the world that I realized, oh, gosh, we really didn't have much growing up. But it didn't feel like that because everybody was the same. Whereas now the global village is huge, isn't it? And so we've got a must to compare ourselves to and we do that is it our own faults I think partly because anxiety is only perception of what we're you know how we interpret the world and the threats to us but I think in another way no it isn't our own fault because I don't think we're given the skills to cope with anxiety and to cope with these pressures and I think I feel passionately about this these are skills I think should be taught to children mm -hmm. 
I couldn't agree more. Mm. Okay. Can I ask then another personal question, Hazel? Is there anything that you um that you put into place or protocols, strategies, tools that you are is part of your week that you do to keep your own anxiety kind of buffered against this noise of of society? Yeah. I have a lot actually because when I spoke earlier about that period of depression and therapy, um and it was such hard work to get out of that depression and get my equilibrium back um, that I vowed never to go there again and so I thought long and hard about what I needed for me it's a lot of the basics we know this stuff but we don't do it getting enough rest you know getting exercise being in green space green space is my happy place up a mountain is where I'm absolutely happiest you know I do hill walking and so take me 500 meters up and I'm as happy as anything um you know, so getting into green space, appreciating nature, um, eating well, sleeping well, good relationships, having good connections, having people that you can reach out to, people you can trust, and spending time with those people. Um, and yet, what do we all do? You know, those are the things that there's so many studies around what what you know helps us to be happy. You know, happiness comes from within. We make ourselves happy. Nothing else does, and no one else does. But you know, what uh, are the conditions we need to be happy? And we know all of that stuff. We know it's all about relationships. We know it's all about quality of life. And yet, what do we all do? We run around trying to acquire more things, more stuff, work harder, get more money, you know. And, and so I think it's really about, um, for me, being more in the present, prioritizing uh, my friends, my family, my own mental health, my own physical health. Um, and everything else after that just seems to flow. So, you know, my energy is good and and it, it works for me. Yeah, and I really am so glad you said and you said there that it's the, it's the things we all know. We all do know it, but knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. And yeah. it's it's all very well for us to uh to consume all of this knowledge all of the time but I sometimes wish people would strip it back and just nail those you called them basics but I think they're the fundamentals or the Mm. pillars and it's just it's so great to hear someone else say the the things that we talk to our clients about over and over again but I think sometimes we're looking still 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 for that magic pill and that quick fix and that maybe there is a secret to a tool to happiness that someone's been hiding from me and it's no mm-hmm. just just hit tick the boxes and nail the basics I think um, it's also sorry if I can just add to that as well I think it's also being realistic about happiness you know happiness isn't a natural state it's not an absolute human right I think happiness is something that comes and goes we're not going to be happy all the time we might be content but I think it's on a scale you know we will have happy periods but I think it's also accepting that you know, we will have times that are very uncomfortable, that are sad, that are, you know, um, you know, we may be grieving, we may feel shame, we may feel guilt, all these other emotions. And that's absolutely human. And that's absolutely right. We should allow all of that as well. Um, and not pretend to be this Pollyanna skipping through life uh, without a care in the world, because that's not realistic. And then, because if you aim for that, it's called toxic positivity, then you know, it, it, you're never going to attain it. And all you're doing is giving yourself another stick to beat yourself with, really. Um, and so then you true. end up feeling guilty because you're not happy. You know, it's it's a bit of a vicious circle then. This is so topical. Uh, we've actually, we've just been away on a holiday, our first holiday in years and years, actually, which is awful. But we had a digital detox, which mm. is when you were talking about, you know, buffering against the noise. No news, no... um no social media, no phones, no nothing. And my partner's reading a book called The Comfort Crisis, which mm. essentially the premise of it being that we are creating so much comfort and life has never been so easy that we cannot deal with anything that is not this pristine, perfect image or we are meant to be happy all of the time. There's there's almost a numbness that comes with that though, because if you don't feel the the lows how do you feel the high this was the conversation we were having anyway and it, it was so interesting and uh, yeah it's brilliant to hear absolutely, um, absolutely agree with that I work when I'm working with clients something I work on a lot actually probably with just about every client is emotional regulation is getting in touch with your emotions into tune with your emotions because 
a lot of us kind of skip through life and we're not aware of the emotions that we're feeling. And yet the emotions drive our behavior, they drive our thinking. Some people think it's the other way around, that thinking drives emotions, you know, it's a chicken and egg argument, really. Um, but anyway, you know, these, these feelings will drive our behavior. And yet we're not taught how to tune into them and how to manage them. And, you know, it's not about shoving them away. When you have this toxic positivity and you're trying to always see the bright side of life, always be happy, always be up, then, you know, you're you're suppressing something because you're not feeling the whole range of human emotions. And that's not normal. It's not healthy. You know, we we have to learn to live with these uncomfortable emotions um, because, you know, that's that's what we do as human beings. And if we can't sit with the uncomfortable emotions and allow ourselves to feel those and learn to manage those, we flatten them and you shove them down. It's like shoving a beach ball under the water. You may shove it down, but it's still there. It's, you know, and it's taking energy to keep it down. And the problem is when you shove down those uncomfortable emotions like sadness, grief, shame, guilt, anger, whatever, you will also suppress the good ones. And so you're never going to be your authentic self. You're never going to experience the full joy that you can feel in life because it's it's just how we are just as human beings you know we do feel a massive range of emotions we're feeling an emotion every minute of the day mm-hmm. so you know but we tend to only feel the uncomfortable ones and believe me i've tried to shove that beach ball down under the water and all it does is pop back up and hit you in the face and it takes a lot <laughs> of energy doesn't it <laughs> not, healthy. not healthy at all <laughs> Hazel, you've written an amazing blog post. I was going through your website and it's called uh, Take Control of Anxiety, which discusses the difference between stress and anxiety. And this is something that I'd like to expand on a little bit more because I think ladies will tell me they feel stressed and they feel anxious. And there's a lot of gray area, I believe, into what the the definitions around these terms actually are. And I want to ask you whether they're a negative thing, both of those or either of those. Well, depends on the circumstances. I mean, stress isn't harmful unless it's chronic um, and you're not mitigating it anyway. You know, we, 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 were, we evolved to feel stress in the same way as we evolved to feel anxiety. And it's just when they're really to such an extent that they're now unhelpful and they're hindering us, making us unhappy, making us ill, um, you know, affecting our performance and our relationships, that they become a problem, really. I mean, the brain evolved um, to feel anxious. You know, there's two types of anxiety um, this signal anxiety, you know, you have a real threat um, and you react to that threat. You get out of danger. That's real danger. That's a real threat. And we should feel that. You know, we evolved to feel that. That's how we stayed alive. That's why you and I are here, because our ancestors had that reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then there's noise. And that noise anxiety is the kind of low level anxiety. There's not really a threat. We just think it is. It's not going to kill us. Um, but it just feels like it is. Um, and that's the anxiety. When people say they're feeling anxious, that's generally what they're talking about, that kind of anxiety they can't quite explain to themselves and they don't like it, it's uncomfortable, um, sometimes can't see the reason for it. Um, so no, stress and anxiety are definitely not a bad thing in the right circumstances. They're lifesavers and they always have been for us. Um, but it's mm-hmm. only when they tip over into being unhelpful or chronic that it causes problems and can we pinpoint that or is it such a gradual thing that happens over time I, I have conversations with women who's on the they tell me they don't remember a time where they didn't feel anxious yeah and do you know there is debate about whether certain personalities whether you're you know you're more prone to be anxious I think sometimes it can be a learned experience I think for me it was um my mother was a very anxious woman and I think I learned to be anxious you know it was uh it was normal if you like for the people around me to be anxious um so I think sometimes it can be learned and I think sometimes when you are feeling that uncomfortable it can be difficult to remember a time when you weren't like that it's almost like when you're in pain you can't remember a time when you didn't have this headache 
you know mm. it, it's almost like that I think um mm. but yeah I think it's a gradual thing I think the problem builds up over time I think if you don't address it and yeah. you know I don't think it goes away either if you don't address it and that accumulation of stress or anxiety or both what how does that affect us both from a physiological and a and a psychological perspective how how do women are women in particular how do they arrive to you feeling hazel both in their body and mind when they've been dealing with that accumulation very often caroline people a lot of people haven't come to me um saying I want to deal with my anxiety. They'll come with binge drinking, comfort eating, uh, low energy, relationship problems. Um, you know, but the underlying thing is anxiety or maybe, you know, not managing. Oh, do you know, I, I have such a temper. I shout at my kids all the time. You know, I had one woman that said, I'm a monster. I, I, I'm always shouting at my children. I'm such an awful person. I think I'm a psychopath. No, she wasn't a psychopath. She was anxious. She couldn't express it because she didn't have the language and the insight to know that this is anxiety and this is what we can do. Um, you know, so she was reacting from she's like a primed pump, really, if if you know what I mean. She was already loaded up <laughs> and ready to fly. So, and yeah. so that anxiety is presenting in different behaviours. You mentioned a few there: emotional eating, binge drinking, short temper. Yeah. Are there any other kind of common? I'm just trying to. Um, open up because I'm sure there will be many uh, listeners mm. listening to today's episode who will be thinking oh that's me or I yeah. do this thing I wonder if I have anxiety yeah you know um, smoking sleeping excessively or not sleeping well maybe poor relationships that could be in work or at home um, lack of focus procrastination that's a huge one you know, we could do a podcast just on procrastination. It's such a big subject. Can I ask why that happens? Because that's really, I feel very um, guilty sometimes hosting this podcast because it allows me to ask questions that I want to ask. Mm -hmm. However, procrastination is the one that I notice in myself. When I'm anxious, the first thing that I start doing is I notice the attention span in my tasks reduces completely. I can't mm -hmm. focus and I'm jumping. Why does that happen? Um, it happens because of the effect on the brain. I mean, when, when you're anxious, you're distracted. And also, when you're stressed, remember cortisol is a really powerful chemical, really powerful hormone. It, it acts on the body, you know, your heart rate races, you know, you, your body's ready to fight or, or flee. It acts on the brain as well. And so when you get stressed or anxious, you can, you know, you get a outpouring of cortisol and the stress hormones and they suppress the frontal cortex the thinking part of the brain and your iq points go down by about 15 points it's temporary thank goodness otherwise we'll all be, <laughs> none of us would be functioning um, but we evolved for that to happen because you know when we were evolving we were evolving in a very different world our brains were built in a, a very different world to react quickly to danger and so you know, Stone Age man didn't want to be standing there thinking, ah, oh, save took a tiger. It looks like a mature one, or it may be a cub. Actually, I think it's a female, not a male. Oh, well, it's not, you know, it didn't want to be working on logic. It wanted to be working on pure instinct. So our brains were designed to shut down the thinking bit while we dealt with this threat on a very basic level and um, very quickly. And so, yes, when we get stressed, when we get anxious, we can't think. Uh, um, as well you hear people saying oh god I'm so anxious I can't think straight no you can't think straight it's it's not your fault so mm -hmm. accept that try and get back in the moment but if you're making a very important decision when you are very stressed or are very anxious I would say get a little bit of a back check on it maybe sleep on it maybe get a second opinion because sometimes mm -hmm. we can make poor decisions because of that you know and, and you've got the emotional element as well you know, anxiety is an emotion. It's just another emotion. Um, and so when we are feeling strong emotions, again, we don't think straight. And that can drive our behavior in the wrong direction, perhaps. Um, so, yes, it, it does affect focus. Mm -hmm. So for anyone listening who is in 
a position or they have been recently where maybe they've been sitting down, they've had a stressful email or it's just been the morning from hell. You, know, you wake up, they, you're late, you snoozed, the, you got into an argument with the kids, your partner, you know, just the morning that you just think I could really do without this. And they feel that anxiety rising and rising and rising. And they feel as though they want to engage in that behavior, whether it be reaching for the cigarette or the sugary food or they want to snap a colleague at work and they're in that moment where it could either go one way or the other do you have any tools or strategies Hazel that you employ with your clients to help them manage that emotion in the heat of it do you know what I mean by that you're standing at that crossroads and you're really feeling like oh this could go one way Mm, yeah there are a couple of things actually, and these are things I use myself. Now, if it's just something mild, then pure distraction can work. You know, just go for a little walk, um, go and wash your hands vigorously, or put on some lovely scented hand cream, or look at a funny video or something. So, you know, if it's something mild, then distraction is quite effective. But if you're having like the morning you've described, which I'm sure we've all had, haven't we? Um, then there are a few strategies uh, that I would say people can use. And again, these are ones that I use, teach clients all the time. And they're kind of tools for life, really. Um, one of them is emotional regulation. Um, and what I mean by that is just getting in touch with your feelings, what's going on right now. Um, and what you're doing is stepping into the observing self. So instead of being that being self, this bundle of, energy that's going around and around you're stepping into your observing self and saying what's going on here what what am I feeling right now and so tune into it we will feel it in our bodies we feel emotions in our bodies I feel mine right in my solar plexus every time some people feel it in their throat their head their chest sometimes tingling in the fingers you know it doesn't matter where you feel it tune into that feeling and when you have that feeling just pause and think what is this? And don't say, oh, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, um, you know, I'm frightened, I'm nervous, whatever, because that makes you that person. Observe it by saying the feeling I'm feeling is fear, or the feeling I'm feeling is anxiety, the feeling I'm feeling is anger, because this puts that emotion in its place. It's just an emotion. Emotions only last for 40 seconds if we leave them alone. It's when we get into a tussle with them that they cause problems. You know, so it's like when you say the feeling I'm feeling is, okay, I'll do, the feeling I'm feeling is anxiety. And then just sit with it and think, oh, this is what anxiety feels like for me. Okay, that's fine. Look, even though I'm feeling anxious, I can still make a cup of tea. I can pick up my glasses. I can still function. It doesn't have to overwhelm you unless you allow it to. I liken this to kind of, Getting into a tussle with emotions is a bit like having one end of a rope. And on the other end of the rope is this big monster, the emotion. And it's pulling hard. And the harder you pull, the bigger that monster gets and the harder it pulls. You'll never win. So when you step into your observing self and you name that emotion and recognize it for what it is, just a transient state, you're dropping the rope. You're getting out of the struggle. So the feeling I'm feeling is anxiety. Okay, let it pass. And then you diffuse, you because when you're in a tangle with these emotions and in a struggle with these emotions, you're very much fused with them, stuck with them. Diffusion is about getting letting go of that emotion. So you may just imagine it flowing out through your hands and your feet, just flowing through your body and out, just like smoke or water. Um, you can imagine it like a balloon. And maybe it's a great big balloon with the emotion written on it and just imagine it floating off. Um, I do something called spinning, which is an NLP technique, where you look at the sub, the qualities. You hear it. Yeah, I see you nodding. Mm. Um, you look at the qualities of the emotion and it will have, the feeling will have qualities. It sounds quite wacky, but it's quite easy. Once you get into it, it's quite easy. And you look at the qualities of the emotion and how that emotion is behaving in your body. Um, and you can control it by making it stronger. So if you can make it stronger, you can turn it down. And that's all you're doing is dialing it down. So now you can think clearly again. That's all you want to do. Um, it's almost like blowing smoke away from you. You know, that's all you want to do. The smoke's still there, but it's not getting in your way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah there are a number of things um sorry something else that's very quick and very easy to do and you can do it without anybody knowing you're doing it is 7-11 breathing so which is also a lovely technique can you walk us through it yes i can actually i think sometimes people get it's abdominal breathing um i think sometimes people get in a bit of a tussle with this because they think it should be seven seconds in 11 seconds out it isn't it's just a count it can be as quick as you like or as slow as you like according to your lung capacity um and it doesn't have to be seven eleven. it could be five nine three five it doesn't matter the idea of seven eleven breathing is that you're making the out breath longer than the in breath so for example, you would, I'm going to do 7-11 just because it's what I do, but like I say, you can make it shorter or longer. So what you would do is just drop your shoulders first. You don't want any tension. You're not breathing up into your, the top of your chest at all. You're breathing into that balloon you have down in your abdomen. So it's deep abdominal breathing. So you put your hand on your tummy and then you breathe down into your abdomen through your nose to the count of one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. So you're inflating that balloon and then you pause and then you blow out through pursed lips if you can. Two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, pause and repeat. And then by doing that, you'll find the, the count that suits you. And it may be a shorter count than that. If you're feeling anxious, we tend to breathe quite shallowly. So you may start with a little bit of a shorter in-breath. But as long as you make the out-breath longer and have that little pause at the top and at the bottom of the breath, um, you'll benefit. It works on a few levels, actually. On a very practical level, it brings you into the present because when you're focusing on your breathing you're very much in the present so it helps you to gather all those scattered thoughts back in ground yourself back down to the present because that's where we want to be that's where we're most effective is when we're grounded in the present so bringing your attention to the breathing does that the deep abdominal breathing stimulates the diaphragm makes the diaphragm move which stimulates the parasympathetic nerve now the sympathetic nerve is a bit that goes whoa let's go the parasympathetic is, okay, everything's fine, let's all calm down, um, you know, get back to your desks. And so it stimulates the parasympathetic nerve, so it starts to calm down the stress response. And the counting is simply a device just to focus you. It doesn't have to be counting. You could do it with a word if you wanted to. You could breathe in calm and breathe out all my attention. As long as it's longer, it doesn't matter. You know, it depends how you think. You may be visual. If you're visual, you may imagine a balloon inflating and then deflating very, very, very slowly. So it's whatever works for you, really. And that's something, I mean, you can do that in the middle of a meeting. You don't have to blow up through pursed lips as long as you breathe out slowly and through your mouth. And that's quite a nice one. So have you just seen my shoulders drop while you've been talking? Just in the... <laughs> I carry all my tension in my feet, so I know when they release like that, that I'm relaxed. Um, and anyone listening to this will be experiencing the same thing. Hazel, what I do love about the strategies that you've talked about there is the implementation and how you can weave these practices. I think it's really easy to think meditation, breathing techniques, journaling, uh, therapy these are all for other people I think sometimes mm. we get caught in that story don't we whereas mm. actually we can all control our breathing you can do it when you're standing listening to me while you're waiting for your shopping at the supermarket mm. if you're driving mm. you can do it. Said in a meeting I think it's about bringing these practices into real life isn't it it is yes and I say to my clients you know practice these when you're feeling nice and calm and comfortable because then you've got them off path for when you need them. It's like any other skill. You know, you don't do CPR when somebody's, you know, having a cardiac arrest in front of you. You practice it on a mannequin so that if somebody does drop dead in front of you, you know what to do. It's that kind of thing. You know, you're practicing these skills so that you've got them at your fingertips ready to use. And, you know, it's again, it's about self-care. It's about spending a little bit of time 
on yourself to give yourself these skills. You know, things like seven limb breathing, very easy to learn. Spinning, very easy to learn. Um, you know, if, if anybody wants the instructions for that, I'm quite happy to send them an MP3 or written instructions that you can uh, distribute if you like. And this was where technology fails us. We did have five minutes left on the recording, but it is completely inaudible for reasons of which I do not have enough knowledge about technology to uh, to be able to unravel. So I did not want to bring you this recording. Hazel was so wonderful throughout this. And as I say, anxiety is such a huge topic that I know a lot of particularly ladies are struggling with that I thought it was really, really important to uh, take the, the wonderful section of the podcast that we did have. And I know Hazel will be incredibly open to any questions, should you have any, or if you would like to discuss a topic further, or you would like to work with her. She's got lovely, lovely soothing tones. She'd be lovely to have a conversation with. Um, her contact details are in the show notes, as well as the link to her website, if you would just find out, like to find out a little bit more. She does have a blog as well. I reference it in the episode that you could go and check out. So I hope the five minutes missing at the end aside that you found this week's episode incredibly valuable and I can assure you for the next one fingers crossed so far there are no technical hitches so hopefully that's just one of these episodes and in future I will use my calming breathing techniques to calm when these things happen but um thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week as ever if you would love to show your support for the podcast you can subscribe and what will happen is that you'll never have to search for us again we'll just magically appear in your podcast inbox every single week every single Tuesday the episodes will just pop up magically and you'll never have to look for us if if you would like to subscribe or share, share to someone in your inner circle, someone that you think would find our message valuable, we would be incredibly appreciative. Literally, you listening, you are the only way that we can really help the, the show grow. So sending it on to someone else means more than you can possibly know. If you do love what we do on the podcast and you're interested with in working with us, you can do so absolutely free, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, for 30 days on the Lifestyle Project. The trial is still running and we would love to hear from you. If you need a bit of a kickstart into Q4, we are here to support you. There is a an application, it's really, really short, it's really informal. There's a short application in the show notes linked below and what will happen thereafter, once that comes through to us, we will reach out to you and we will assign you a coach that you'll be working with for the 30 days. You'll get to know that coach really well and we'll be working with you. We do specialize in working with time-strapped professionals optimize every area of their health so for you if it's sleep stress maybe it's diet maybe you feel like you're snacking too much or it's energy or formal exercise or you just want to be more consistent or you just want somewhere to start that can be the the um stumbling block just actually having a plan to follow and i as some support and some structure so if that sounds like you at the moment get in touch we'd love to hear from you and work with you on the lifestyle project and thank you to natural cycles for partnering with us on this episode if you'd like 20 percent off natural cycles and a free thermometer you can use the link in my show notes Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me this week and we'll see you next Tuesday on the Health Hacks podcast.